2: all right, we'll talk to Wayne next. Good morning, Wayne. Morning, Bob. Morning, morning Bob. sir. How you doing? Hot hey, well, cold. I'm,
1: doing <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm talking over you, man. Uh, hey, listen, I, I've got a question. I, I, I haven't called in several months. And I'm just kind of getting back to some of the projects i got here on my farm. But uh, I've got, I'm fixing to build a house, and there's a couple of oak trees that are kind of on a hill, and they're almost lost oak trees. they are only, only two around. Okay, and I've got a mesquite tree growing right up in the middle of them. These two oak trees have been kind of poor. Uh, They've not been maintained or manicured or anything like that, so I'm I'm wanting to kind of jumpstart them, but this mesquite tree is growing right up in the middle of them. It's kind of cool, except I know it can have an adverse impact on them. And I was wondering, am I going to hurt anything by just uh, cutting that thing out? And then, uh, then that's the first question. And number two is... What can I do to kind of uh, give these oak trees some care? They're real pretty. They're real tall, and I'd like to go ahead and uh, kind of give them a little bit of care.
2: Are they live oaks, or what kind of oak trees are they, Wayne? They
1: are live oaks, yes, sir.
2: Okay. Um, You know, the only way the mesquite's really going to cause any issues is if it is shading them out. I don't worry too much about competing for water, about competing for for nutrients. Uh, The mesquite tree does produce some... Materials from its roots that actually keep mesquite seeds from sprouting. But uh, I, you know, I've got mesquite growing in close proximity to oak trees, and like I say, unless it's just uh, crowding, unless it's just competing for light, don't feel like you have to take it out. But if you do take it out again, that's not creating any issues. It probably will sprout back up. You'll have some thorny regrowth from it, and you're going to have to just keep cutting that back because I'm sure not going to put any thing on the ground trying to kill that stump uh, you could drill some holes in the stump fill them with uh, potassium nitrate saltpeter and uh, that is going to help rot that stump away and potassium nitrate will not hurt the oak trees in any way in fact it's uh, it it is a fertilizer product so uh, i guess bottom line is don't uh, you know, don't feel like you have to take the uh mesquite out, but if you do, that's not going to create any issues either. As far as increasing the health of your existing trees, you never give a tree extra water unless you can continue providing for it so since you're going to have a home right there since you're going to be able to you know provide a little supplemental irrigation when we get back into a drought it's not a matter of uh, if it's just a matter of when but uh uh they give it good thorough deep watering now recently we've had some good rains not so much in the past month or two but that oak uh, really benefited i'm sure from the good rains we got in september and october if you want to put out a little organic fertilizer sure that's always going to help it i would check and be sure the root flare is exposed it probably is if it's just you know native trees been growing out there for a long time and um, beyond that, uh, you know, a little bit of mulch over the roots, just the same thing you do for any shrub or tree in your yard, will help those existing native trees. And like I say, whether you take that mesquite out or not, that's strictly your option.
1: Well, I, that's great news. I really kind of like that mesquite. It, it, yeah. it, the oak trees have definitely got it overpowered. But, okay, uh, and the mesquite kind of come up in the middle of it sort of a kind of a character piece for me.
2: So, <laughs> well, kind of having a little character is. out there and having some diversity. I mean, I I hate seeing a landscape where we only have one species of tree out there, because if we ever have a problem that affects that particular kind of tree, then we've got nothing left. So, I'm all into diversity, and even though. Uh, a mesquite can be an issue if you've got a lot of the thorny, little scrubby, brushy mesquite. Big old uh, majestic mesquite's no problem at all.
1: Excellent. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you a lot. I always love listening to the show. You have a great
2: day. Well, you call me anytime I can help. I appreciate it, Wayne. Thank you, sir. You bet. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Is it Oksana?
3: Yes, it is. Good morning. Very
2: Anna. good. Good morning.
3: Uh, I have uh, probably about a fifteen foot navel orange tree that has decided to bloom profusely. Do I need to cover this up for the next few days?
2: Well, it's a question of can you cover it for the next few days. Um, this We're probably not going to get cold enough to hurt the tree, but we could get cold enough to do some damage to the developing fruit. Uh, It may continue blooming. It may you know, put on more fruit later but this may not be the last cold spell we have. If you can conveniently cover and protect at least a portion of it that has actually started setting the little fruit uh, that would pretty much be a good way of guaranteeing that you will have at least some fruit. But a 15 foot tree is pretty hard to cover and you certainly don't want to do anything that's going to be like a sail because we're anticipating some fairly high winds before the day or the day is over and you don't want that stuff flapping back and beating up your uh, beating up your navel orange.
3: Well, it it's not set fruit yet, it's just the blossom.
2: Well, it it that's that's where the fruit comes from. So yeah. anything you can do to protect will help. It may have actually set fruit, it's just so small you don't even see it yet.
3: Okay. Okay. Well, I had a phenomenal production last year because I was feeding the bees around the sweet tree <laughs> And that's oh, a good God. thing. I was feeding all the neighbors, too. Okay, well, that's... So I, uh, I will definitely cover it up, then.
2: Very good. You've got lucky neighbors to have you for a neighbor.
3: <laughs> I will do it. Thank you so much. You have a great
2: day. It's always my pleasure. Thank you. Um, Let's see. Yeah, let's go ahead and take one more call, and that would be Steve. Good morning, Steve.
0: Good morning, how are you?
2: I'm just doing well it's uh the winds come up. it's getting a little chilly out here, but you know it's uh, it's early March. We're not guaranteed to be warm weather yet, but it's a good day.
0: Well, let Texas give it ten minutes It's some the. <laughs> problem
2: is it might get worse instead of getting better.
0: <laughs> that's true. that's true. Um, my mom had a plant, and she told me it was called Firebush. yes. And it was green and red leaves, Uh and they were small leaves, and it grew like about six to eight foot in in a summer. Okay. And I've got three windows that are on the west side, and I get direct sunlight through it, and I need to stop that sunlight from coming through the door, through the windows, A, to make it a little cooler inside the house, and B, make it look a little prettier outside. Okay. Uh, Okay. Does she give me the correct name?
2: Well, depends on whether you want a common name or a botanical name. Um, There is a plant called firebush that matches that description. Uh, Botanically, it would be called Himalaya. I believe it's Himalaya Pattens. What direction do your windows face?
0: Uh, Due west.
2: Okay, then that would certainly be an acceptable plant because it loves lots and lots of bright sun. It is going to freeze down every winter, and what I tell people about firebush, it's the last thing to come back out. It does come back each year, but it always comes out about two weeks after you give up on it and say, well, it's gone this time, it's not coming back. It's just literally one of the last, uh, uh, one of the last things to sprout up in the spring but it certainly it'll grow four five six feet tall if i were trying to shade that window there might be other things that you could plant uh, that would still give you lots of color that would probably get a little bigger a little bit more quickly and that would be things like there's a uh, a plant called uh, pride of barbados seslapenia uh, it gets big it gets very very colorful probably a little more quickly. Quickly than fire Bush, some of the different uh, esperanzas. Um they will get quite large. The yellow one is the biggest and the most common form. But uh, there are other options. But if you liked your mom's firebush, yeah, you've got a great place to plant it. Uh, let it warm up a little bit more. Buy a, either one-gallon or five-gallon plant at the nursery so you're not starting with a tiny little plant. And uh, it'll give you pretty orange flowers. It'll give you black-purple berries in the fall. It'll give you leaves that turn very brilliant, uh kind of a room color before it freezes back in the winter but it's a very desirable plant but it uh it does go away qu- completely most every winter
0: okay do you have that over at shades of green
2: we will when it's the appropriate time to plant it it's not not time yet we're still too cold but uh we keep lots of it as we move into the warmer months
0: okay and now give me the the name like firebush Give me the for the one that you just described it, that had all the colors and everything.
2: Well, and two two other different uh, ones. Um, one of them is called Pride of Barbados. Uh, you don't have to know that it's Cestla Penny. If you ask for part of Barbados, any nurseryman will know what you're talking about. Barbados, like the Caribbean island, which is an interesting place. But um, and okay. the other, which is uh, and there are many different colors on this one. But it is called Esperanza, uh, Spanish word for hope. E S P E R A N Z A. Okay. Okay. And there are others those are those are just two, since you like pretty tropical flowers, those are just two other choices. Wouldn't hurt to plant two or three different things out in front of that row of windows give you Give you lots of pretty color out there
0: okay. So I should come by when, about uh, mid-March
2: or end of March? Let's watch the weather and talk again. I, uh, uh, you know, this is, we've all gotten so spoiled because we've been through two or three years and we didn't have much late cold, and there is no guarantee that this is the last chilly period we're going to have, so, uh. Um, the growers will have them available, but I'm going to have to watch the weather before I tell you it's safe to plant. And uh, I sure okay. wouldn't do it in the next two or three days. And I probably, on something like this, I'm probably going to wait till April before I plant it out just to be on the safe side. And, yes, we and Fanning's and most of the other good nurseries around should should have plenty of them at that point.
0: Okay. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You've got a great show.
2: Well, I appreciate it, Steve. Always nice to hear from you. You call me anytime thank you you. South Texas Gardening with
0: Bob Webster is on the air News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071
2: right, back to gardening we're going to talk to Robert and Gary then we get the pleasure of visiting with Mr. Bruce Dooley and then we talk to Marie so Robert you're up first good morning good morning sir how are you today I'm doing well how about you
4: Uh, Probably a little bit warmer than you are, but other than that, we're doing good.
2: i probably got more clothes on than you do, more layers.
4: Yeah, well, I am outside uh, testing the irrigation system.
2: Okay. Figured it was a good day for it. Two quick questions.
4: What varieties of cantaloupe have you had the best success with?
2: You know, I still think it's hard to beat the old Hales, H-A-L-E-S. That's probably my overall favorite. Uh, I've tried quite a number of them, but I keep coming back to Hales. It's just a very dependable, very tasty, uh, very reliable cantaloupe.
4: Okay. And I'm looking to purchase some outdoor pots, things that will be outside year-round, Um what's the best material i'm probably large 25 gallon uh, for larger plants that will be they will be movable so it's got to be something that will you know withstand moving in the greenhouse every winter but just material wise
2: um how important is appearance i mean are you looking for something highly decorative or you're looking for something functional
4: Functional, what, what I have outside, I have a couple pretty ones outside that lasted two seasons, and I've got some more terracotta color mm-hmm. that are, I mean, non decorative. You know they have some designs on them. You can't see them unless you're five
2: foot away from them. They're
4: just terracotta, so <laughs> okay. looks are not real important to me. The functionality
2: well, is what I'm looking for. Just go with a heavy duty, uh, a rubberized plastic material. The same thing your growers are going to use. You know, in producing big trees and things like that. They make them up to ninety gallon sized, and that pot's so over three feet in diameter, and they they are comparatively inexpensive. You might pay fifteen bucks for one but to get if if i wanted a decorative pot i'd be looking at glazed ceramic either out of vietnam or out of china but to do that you're looking at a pot that's going to weigh 300 pounds and cost you 500 dollars uh so 15 bucks looks pretty pretty good i would not go with the plain terracotta even the good italian terracotta is very fragile over time it's gonna it's gonna get even more fragile and sooner or later you're going to break it uh like say if you if you wanted a a 300 pound pot and if you want to pay a bunch of money for it some of this uh reduction fired glaze pottery out of uh, asia is is absolutely incredible and it will last for many 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 years but it's going to cost a small fortune and it's going to be extremely awkward to move so uh, i'm just going to go with a good uh just a good heavy um just kind of one of these black pots they call them plastic but they're actually a a material that is more of a rubberized pot it doesn't get brittle don't go with the white the white will do what we call deplymerize which gets very brittle over time but you're looking at you know a five to ten year life on a 30 gallon or 90 gallon pot and that's just going to be as big as i can imagine you wanting to grow anything in that would work appreciate it sir you have a great day Here's the, the one more one more hint okay. uh Talk to a landscaper, somebody that plants a lot of big trees. Uh, those pots are, you know, you can probably, <laughs> you might even get them to give you a used pot or sell you a used pot at a very discounted price. Um, if not, you you may, uh, again, uh, well, call me if you're looking for new pots. You might have to go to Adams Wholesaler or somewhere like that. But uh, a lot of these landscape companies, they just discard their big pots we don't we don't deal in trees that big and we just recycle the big pots back to our growers but if you know any landscapers around ask them and they may be able to get you a pot at uh free or close to it and that's the best price of all obviously thanks for your help <laughs> robert it's a pleasure thank you sir all right, goodbye you. all right gary's up next and it's going to be uh I guess uh, Bruce dropped out. Okay, uh, it'll be Reese up next if Bruce isn't with us. But uh, uh, let's talk to Gary right now. Good morning, Gary.
5: Hey, good morning, Bob. i uh, <laughs> listened to you for over 25 years now and, uh, and, and been at your nursery numerous times. Obviously. Well,
2: you're making both of us feel a little old when you admit <laughs> to how long we've been doing it.
5: <laughs> hey, I'll tell you, it, you've been a tremendous resource to us since we've moved here, and uh, we really appreciate it. Well, it's my um, pleasure. Had a chance to call you back in December because, and you helped talk me off a ledge about losing my viburnum. Uh-huh. Um, I had a we had, we had that one hard freeze. Everything got very crispy. It was about four feet high. It was crispy down to about two feet. I, I became I. You told me to be patient and probably trim it, you know, later in the in the winter, which I did. Um, and over the course of the last month or so, we've gotten really nice healthy growth at the good at ground level, but we're yeah. not getting much vertical growth. we got even the white flowers have started to uh, bloom on them. Okay. Um, now, I'm leaving Tuesday morning on a trip to Florida, saying we've got these, all this freeze coming up. What, what's my best method to deal with this? Should I cover them with sheets? Should I use some other material?
2: Well, first of all, I'm not sure. Sure, whether or not um, you know you would see damage this time. The damage we saw in the fall was because we went from very warm to very cold very suddenly. Right. Um, the new growth that has come out is probably a little bit better hardened off, and um, you may or may not be risking any freeze whether you do nothing at all. But if you want to be totally safe, go to a good nursery and get a uh, fabric material. It's called insulate. It's like the letter N-S-U-L-A-T-E. And um, insulate is it's a neat material it gives you the cold protection that you're looking for but it lets enough light through i mean we have taken insulate and actually wrapped up some tropical plants left it on all winter long and then taken it off in the spring and the plants came through just fine so i don't know how long your trip to florida is going to be but uh even if it's a week or two or three you can leave the insulate on and it's going to cover you while you're gone and you know for as long as you want to leave it on so it's not terribly expensive uh, i know they carry it here at phanix i know we carry it over at shades of green but that's what i'm going to be using to protect that uh to protect that, that viburnum
5: okay well that you answered the, uh, my follow up question too which is you know how long could i keep whatever i put on on yeah. and uh that product sounds like it's the right right uh, answer
2: well, and it's it's that's what makes it so much preferable for several reasons. I mean, it actually is much better insulating than a bedsheet or something like that. But the fact that you can leave it on indefinitely uh, sure does take a lot of the lot of the questions out of it.
5: Yeah. Well, we'll be back on Saturday, so we're not going all that long. But um, the other the other plant I have out there in front of these viburnums is Jerusalem sage, and uh-huh. they look horrible after that freeze, too. And I thought, shoot, they're never going to look good. They look fantastic right
2: now. Oh, yeah. And they're not going to be bothered by this freeze. And you should have uh, lots of yellow flowers on them pretty shortly. I I wouldn't worry about them at all. But uh, the viburnum, since that is probably the more important of the two, uh, I think it's probably worth the effort to protect it.
5: Okay, one more real quick one. Salvia greggii. We've probably got uh, 30 of them out there. And none of them have bloomed yet. Uh, they had been cut back after the earlier freeze. Mm-hmm. Lots of green on them. Uh, they, I mean, they look healthy. They just haven't bloomed their, their pink and red.
2: Yeah. Be a little patient. Mine are just starting to, but it may be uh, probably by the time you get back from Florida, you'll start seeing more buds. But, uh, um, uh, you know, it's (laughs) it's still very early spring, if it's spring at all. And uh, don't be trying to rush those guys along. They're just uh, they're doing their thing and they will be fine.
5: But no problem with the freeze on them. I don't need that. Not in the least. Not in the least. You're awesome, man. Thanks a lot.
2: Have a safe trip. What part of Florida?
5: We're going down to uh, just outside of Fort Myers. Bonita Springs, Estero, that area.
2: Should be a beautiful area and a beautiful time to do it. So you enjoy your trip. We'll be here for you when you get back. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gary. Goodbye. All All right. Let's get a break out of the way here, and then we'll talk to Bruce Dooley, and then we will talk to Reese and Zahn. And uh, I get to talk to you for a moment about the Cedar Eater of Texas. Gosh, I love talking about Cedar Eater. They're another company that just does wonders when it comes to helping the hill country, helping everything grow better, because they have a way of taking out that second-growth cedar, which is so devastating to our beautiful hill country, without any bulldozing, without any burning, without any of those things that would. Leave lingering problems. All the cedar eater leaves behind is a nice mulch, and then your native grasses, your wildflowers, your native plants start regrowing. They can do acres and acres in a single day. Big projects, small projects. Just remember, small project, uh, it costs a lot to move that big machine around. So uh, maybe even get together with your neighbors and say, Hey, I'm going to have the cedar eater out to do my five acres. Want to do yours too? There's just a lot of different ways to work with the cedar eater, and they've got other machines. They've got machines. That'll take down big old trees that may have died of drought or oak wilt. Uh, They've got a machine that rips, literally rips, mesquite out of the ground, roots and all. It's just a fantastic company and they just keep getting bigger and better all the time. If you want to really improve the quality of your land, make a note of this number, 210 745 2743. That's 210 745 2743 for the Cedar Eater of Texas. All right, back to gardening here on a <laughs> on an early spring, late winter Sunday. I'm not real sure what it is, but it's getting chilly. But, you know, it's not going to be, uh, especially if you're in San Antonio, not going to be a real hard freeze. It's going to be inconvenient. Uh, as I said earlier, I sure hope everybody's watering everything thoroughly because uh, pretty dry out there when you get down below the surface, and that would be something you certainly want to get done before it uh, gets real cold this evening. Uh, right now, have the great pleasure pleasure of uh, <laughs> bringing a, a a very familiar voice uh back on the air our old friend bruce dooley bruce what are you doing this morning
6: actually i'm uh, you'll love this i'm putting together a radio studio as we
3: talk
6: <laughs> uh, <laughs> i got everything i needed i now do uh i, I did get that shot somebody called about it a few weeks ago i've been on about two or three months out in west texas right uh big bend radio is, all you have to go to it is you know like yours. It goes everywhere on Earth. If they want to get it, and it's an hour going to two hours uh, in April, and I'm about a week away I think from starting a radio show in Kerrville again.
2: Oh, really? Well, very good.
6: Uh-huh. I'll let you know how that works along. And it's same same stuff. We're doing a I'm doing a lot of pre recording stuff. I uh, have actually have you'll love this a producer of sorts out there, so we get a better chance again having people on on the line. You know, it's hard to get. The uh, some of the folks that are across Sally Fallon and some of them have come on
0: now. Oh, very so
2: good. I've
6: got somebody I can come with. I want to say something before i forgot. forgotten. I was listening, of course, to your show earlier today. Uh, the gentleman that called about the mesquite tree in with his live oak.
2: Yeah.
6: Uh, I wanted to remind him that a mesquite is actually a legume, and it actually right. fixes nitrogen around that tree. I mean, unless it's, like you said, unless it's shading the tree, it's probably more of an asset than a liability.
3: <laughs>
2: and a big old mesquite so. tree is uh, is not a bad thing to have around. Well, you've developed such a following uh, in all your years here on KTSA and while you were living down in this part of the world, that I just have gotten so many calls saying, uh how is Bruce doing? What is Bruce doing? So you're happily settled out in West Texas now, out in that beautiful Alpine area, and um and just doing all your usual things. And uh, tell everybody once again with uh, with the radio that you're doing out there if they wanna sure. if they want to find out more.
6: If they can tune me in anytime. The name of the whole system, there's several radio stations, is called Big Bend Radio. Uh huh. And then you go on to there, and the easiest one to get me on because my part, show actually starts on a place called KVLF, and this will make them remember it. It's a, a, the voice of the last frontier. It's an eighty-some-year-old radio station.
2: Wow. And, okay.
6: And so, and then they give it to other stations they have, and I'm not sure they run it a few times. I know they also run it on KALP on Sundays, but the live show is on Saturday. That's why you don't hear from me the same time you're on. <laughs> so it's. Uh, <laughs> It's a little bit of long distance competition. I will tell you, Bob, and I don't know if it'll start working yet. I do mention your show because you're pretty much available anytime, also. Right. uh, You know, KTSA Live. And uh, so and that's just more good information for them. It is, and I know you've been out there. You worked out there when you were younger, I think. Yes. Uh, the Martha Alpine, Fort Davis area is where all the hippies that didn't die or move to Austin moved, <laughs> <youth. laughs> and, and there's a bunch of real greenies out there. I mean, they're growing, you know, their flowers in rocks, and they're growing things to eat. And they really are interested. They have very little choice of what they can get out there. There's one great place to buy organics right now. Uh-huh. But it's uh, it is growing, and it is the kind of people so that's not a I mean that's actually a compliment that really try to look at nature and really try to do things that are both better for them and for their kids and for nature. So it's a win win
2: oh that's a that's a great thing yeah i spent parts of three summers in, in that wildlife management area back in the days when i was doing graduate school and doing things with the dallas museum of natural history and it's it's a beautiful area one other question do you still maintain your uh, nature website
6: not only do I maintain it, we're actually going to start populating it not only through them, but I'm going to start putting my radio, Sean, archived on, and it's, a, it's even easier to do now. They can just go to organic, I can't talk, or organicmatters.com. I own my own URL so it's still it'll be there. I hear you, something's ringing up there. But uh, yeah, that, that's has got some stuff in it. I try to do an animal a week. I'm also speaking uh, at the, uh, I don't know if you've been to the Chihuahuan Desert Museum.
2: Yes, uh huh.
6: Well, I I do volunteer work with them, and I do a few shows a month. Uh, usually reptiles or birds, but whatever they want, and then we just go out, you know, and clean things up, take care of it as a as I guess a, a hobby. But, so I'm involved in it too, and it's just a nice place to. If people haven't been out to Fort Davis Alpine area. It's a a unique part of Texas.
2: Well, it is a beautiful area. The desert has a beauty all of its own. Uh, watch out for some of those little rock rattlesnakes and some of the things that. Uh, uh, some of the interesting creatures that you have out there. But again, check in with us periodically. You've got an awful lot of fans in this area and it's always just, uh, good to know what you're doing well. Uh, at some point we'll, uh, we'll spend a little more time, get a little bit more of an update of your, uh, days in Australia and some of the traveling you've done. But, uh, in the meantime, uh, get out there, enjoy the day and, uh, we'll be in touch soon, Bruce. Sure appreciate
6: the call. Hey. Well, I'm glad I took time to speak to you, and I'm glad you picked me up, and we'll talk
2: soon. We'll look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. Uh, <laughs> chilly morning here. want to remind everybody once again, uh, well, thank everybody that came out for our free seminar yesterday. Next Saturday's seminar is going to be really special. David Vaughn, who is probably the best arborist I've ever known in my life, and I've known some good arborists. But uh, David's going to be doing our seminar on trees, just about every aspect of trees for this area you can imagine. It's free of charge next Saturday over at Shades of Green. Seminar will start about 945. Coffee's always on on by nine and uh, sure make hope you'll make plans to uh come out and listen and visit i'm i'm sure looking forward to hearing from david i there is so much new material that they found out about compartmentalization and uh and trees overcoming different problems uh it should be a really really interesting seminar right now though we're going to visit with reese and marie and zon and reese this first good morning reese
7: yeah. Good morning, Bob. Thank good you for morning. the call.
2: Thank you for you calling. Know, I
7: love tangerines, and I'm planning on putting one in my backyard. Can you name a few that will grow well in San Antonio? Please?
2: The probably some of the very best. There is one called Miho, Miho, M-I-H-O. There is one called M-I-H-O. Okay. There is another good one called Cito, Seto, S-E-T-O. S-E-T. Okay. There's another one called Kimbro, K-I-M-B-R-O-U-G-H. Okay. Uh one more is one that the Extension Service has been promoting uh, that is called Orange Frost. Orange frost, all right. Yeah, and those are my top favorites. The The old original tangerine was uh, one called Changsha, and that's still a good tree, but, man, does the fruit load up with seeds. Uh, most of these varieties I just yeah. mentioned only have two or three seeds in a fruit. The old Changsha probably would have 15 or 20. Oh, no, but, I don't uh, like <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, The, the yeah. two easiest ones to find are going to be Miho and Sito, and they're both excellent.
7: Okay, and uh, I... I also heard you talk about firebush. You know, I have one in my yard, but it's uh-huh. very slow to come back.
2: Always. Okay, that's that's yeah. very typical of firebush. And <laughs> as I was telling a previous caller, you know, I, what I always say is it comes back two weeks after you give up on it. They're the last things right. to come out. And once yes. you've decided it's not coming back, a few days later it'll sprout up again.
7: Right. But there's another one called firecracker. Oh, I love that one. And
2: it's that's a totally different plant. Botanically, that one is called Russelia. R-U-S-S-E-L-L-I-A. And many winters, it doesn't even freeze back. It mm. uh, stays, it gets kind of a winter color to it, kind of gets a rusty, darker green color. But uh, then it starts coming out with those beautiful tubular flowers. There's yeah. actually one that has a little broader leaf, one that has a very fine leaf leaf and uh i love the uh i love the firecracker it's uh the hummingbirds absolutely love it
7: yes it gives so much color to your landscape it does butterfly bush I love that
2: one too. Butterfly bush, bootlia is uh there's mm-hmm. several different colors of it, uh and um <laughs> you know, there are just so many so many different things with similar names. There's another plant called Fire Spike as opposed to fire bush and it's totally different. It's uh, botanically it's called Odontonema, but it is one that grows in the shade. It puts up big spikes of red flowers in the fall. So yeah, you've just brought up a lot of my favorite perennials recently.
7: Fire bush, F- uh, fire spike, fire spike. Okay, I yep. haven't seen this one. In the-
2: yeah, it's for the shade, not for the sun. There is mm-hmm. a hot pink form and a more common red form, and mm-hmm. it's an excellent plant for a shadier area. So that'll be okay. a fun one for you to look up.
7: Right. And I heard you talk about plumeria Is this a flowering bush?
2: It is a tropical flowering bush that will not take even a light freeze. Uh, one of its mm-hmm. common names is Frangypangy. If mm-hmm. uh you've ever been to Hawaii or if you've seen the beautiful lays that they tend to make, uh that is the flower that they usually use for the lays. Uh, and it's uh yeah, plumerias its uh technical name, Frangipangy. Oh gosh, there are probably other names right. for it, but it's very oh. fragrant, very beautiful, but cannot take a freeze. Has to be brought right. in in the winter months.
7: All right, okay, Bob. Thank you so much for all your information.
2: You know, it's, sure it's always there are a lot a pleasure.
7: Of people waiting in line, so I'll let you go. <laughs> well,
2: way, we're getting down Have toward the end of the weekend. show, and it's only Marie and Zan, but uh, it's always good to talk to you, Reese. You stay warm, and we'll talk yes. again soon. Thank you. You're Bye-bye. welcome. Okay, let's bring Marie up. Good
3: morning. Hi. Hi I have there. four quick questions, shouldn't okay. take that long. Um, what's the difference between a Texas and a Mexican redbud?
2: That is an excellent question. Um a Mexican redbud. Well, let's let's talk about three redbuds. Uh, there is the old eastern redbud, which is probably the most common one, and it is widely grown, but it doesn't really like our soils in this area. And for anyone that's looking for a bigger, taller redbud, their best choice is the Texas redbud because it has that same beautiful pink flower. It makes that same 15 to 20 foot tree and it is very well adapted to this area now it does have um you know kind of a velvety leaf it sometimes gets some different leaf diseases but it is a good tree there is a form of texas red bud. <laughs> this is also confusing but there's a form of texas red bud called oklahoma and in my opinion it's the best of the red buds it has more of a glossy leaf and it's actually a form of texas red bud, but it has a darker pink flower it has a glossier leaf which is much more disease resistant and it makes the same big tree where people are seeing a really dark dark red Redbud. It's probably they're looking at the Oklahoma variety of Texas redbud. Now the other one that you mentioned, the Mexican redbud, is a different species, and it's more of a shrubby tree. For me, it was not nearly as long-lived. I think uh, maybe eight or ten years, whereas the bigger ones can last twenty or thirty. But the Mexican redbud makes kind of a shrubby, bushy, frequently multi-trunk, and if not multi-trunk, very low-branched. Mine never out above about six feet tall it had the same attractive pink flowers in the spring but uh it it's much more of kind of a bushy shrubby more of a big shrub than a tree whereas the texas redbud does make a good true tree does that answer that question
3: yes it does okay and then i'm looking for a dark red crepe myrtle with nice bark
2: okay i'm going to give you two choices one is called dynamite and it'll be, it'll be the darkest, most blood red, you know, color you've ever seen. Every now and then, you'll see uh, a few little pinkish flowers come out on it. But, uh, it will have green leaves, it'll have deep, deep red flowers. It's kind of medium-sized, 15, 18 feet, uh, so it does make a big bush, but that's not big compared to something like uh, Basham's Party Pink or something, but dynamite is a very good dark red crepe myrtle. Uh, there is another one called Red Rocket that has the same dark, dark, dark red flowers, but it has redder foliage as well. Gets about the same size, 12, 15, maximum 18 feet tall, but dynamite or red rocket either of those are going to be the, the what you're looking for
3: okay and then um a po- i have planted a possum hall holly a female about two years ago uh-huh. it's not very didn't have berries if i put a male like just a few inches from that plant one will that work
2: Well, put a few feet from it, and I don't know how much luck you'll have finding a male possum haw, but just about any other holly, even Burford holly, yopon holly. Uh, Plant a big yopon holly around, too, uh, like Pride of Houston or Weeping yopon holly. It'll give you the cross-pollination so you get the good berries on your possum haw. Oh,
3: okay.
2: Now, your possum haw is in the sun, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it should be having berries, and uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, just plant plant a different one of the uh, blooming yopans. And like I say, my two favorite for upright would be uh, pride of Houston. Uh, if you want one that's really architecturally almost a sculpted variety, look at what they call a weeping yopan. Weeping. Okay. And then one last
3: question. I'm looking for a nice shrub fits into an area about three feet by six feet, afternoon sun, a little filtered shade, something that bees and butterflies like, but I was kind of thinking of like a flowering uh, S-E-N-N-A what? Flowering Senna mm-hmm. is going
2: to get bigger than that. Flowering Senna, beautiful yellow flowers. Uh, it's going to get 6 to 10 feet tall, but uh, it's It's in the family Cassia, C-A-S-S-I-A, and that would be a good choice. Um, you might also look at some of the Esperanzas. They're going to have a little bit longer bloom season on them, and you're going to have a wider color range, and they're very popular with hummingbirds and butterflies and things as well. So uh, Flowering is interesting, but uh, my choice would probably be one of the Esperanzas.
3: Okay. Thrallus? Thrallus? Anything about that? Uh, which one? T H R Y A L L I
2: S Thryallis. Oh, Thryallis. Beautiful uh beautiful low flowering shrub. Uh, yeah, it's it's another real good one. It's gonna freeze back in the winter. Probably I've got one's probably five feet tall, but on average three or four feet, but Thryallis is uh, uh yeah, beautiful yellow flowers, uh, nice foliage, it's another good choice.
3: Now do the butterflies
2: like that? Uh reasonably much. Yeah.
3: Okay. All right. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Marie. And let's finish up the show with Zahn today. Good morning, Zahn.
8: Morning, Bob. Top of the day to you.
2: Oh, I did. The rest of the day to you as well, sir.
8: Thank you. I've got a quick and easy one. My set soon I put in the ground about 10, 11 months ago last spring. Uh, it's a, just a sapling. I know they take, they're take. they cold hardy, but this one started leafing out this week, and they're little bitty leaves, a quarter to an inch long at the most, so they're soft and tender. Do I need to worry about that and cover it up this uh, next couple of
2: three nights? You probably need to worry about the foliage. You don't need to worry about the overall tree. I'm sure the tree will survive, but that tender, young foliage could easily be damaged if we get down in the 20s. If it's That's possible or practical to protect it, I think it would be a good idea.
8: No, I can It's only about three foot tall. And, oh, uh, lucky you. <laughs> Well, I just got it small last year and put it in the ground, and I got three nice oranges off of it. I couldn't believe it. I felt bad for it, but it, it produced. But anyway, I am I was concerned about those little bitty uh, leaflets like that, and I figured that they were very tender. And
2: they are tender, and the combination of the cold and the wind could easily burn them, so, yeah, I would, I would protect it if you can.
8: All righty. Well, I hope I don't lose my bananas and my trumpet plant, but I'll see what happens.
2: Well, they'll come back if they do.
8: I know, but it takes a long time. <laughs> Welcome to patience. Texas. Older I get, the less patience I have.
2: And the fewer oh, things I'm are worth I'm waiting in line for. <laughs> Son, a, it's always yeah, a pleasure I'm to hear from you, sir. You have a good weekend, you, and uh, we'll talk sometime soon. Thanks so much.